0: My name is Saul Wordsworth and this is the TTI Podcast. I'm Saul Wordsworth, Editor-at-Large of Traffic Technology International, the world's leading publication for traffic management, intelligent transportation systems, and tolling. Welcome to this edition of the TTI podcast, sponsored by Siemens Mobility. Our interview today is with Steve Novosad, Associate Fellow with American infrastructure firm HNTB and Chair of the OmniAir Consortium, the industry's leading association promoting interoperability and certification for connected vehicles, ITS, and transportation payment systems. Steve will discuss the USDOT's high-profile connected vehicle pilot project that he's involved in in Tampa, Florida, as well as the importance of standards in connected vehicle technology. But first... It's time to discuss the latest traffic technology news with Tom Stone, editor of TTI, live from his luxury home on England's south coast. How are you? You look, you
1: look good. Thank you. Look good, feel good. Yeah, I had my Dartford haircut.
0: Oh, so you didn't have it done for the trip, but you had it done while you were there?
1: Yeah, i like to go back to my... I've not had to change hairdressers yet, you see, which is a traumatic experience, changing hairdressers, so...
0: so um, actually, if you like, you were going back to your roots, if you'll forgive me. Oh... Uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
1: it was a, it was a nice, um, a really nice day in the office, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, um, due to the new government restrictions, it looks like that could be our last day in the office this year. I think that, that's a, that that particular junction coming onto the M25 is, is badly designed because people queue in the left-hand lane when they're going forward. That left-hand lane should be the turn left only because turn left is onto the M25, which was clear.
0: I must say, I'm not averse to it. If, if, if the left-hand lane is really busy and I, and I need to turn left... I'm not averse to going up the empty right-hand lane, going all the way around. Oh, the, the queue jump Oh, all the way around the roundabout. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not queue jumping is it? That's just using the, uh, using the road efficiently. Using the highway code in an intelligent fashion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I've saved myself literally hours. You, you know, you wouldn't have seen me today if it wasn't for that. I'd be sort of 12 hours behind in my existence.
1: Ah, yes. Going back in time. Let's not go back in time. Let's go... Forward, the only way we can go. Yes,
0: how right you are, Thomas. How right
1: you are. Yeah. Well, apart from uh, the pre-recorded interview coming up, of course, uh, which uh, will be going back in time to to when I recorded that a week or so ago. Um, We talk about in the video, in the in the interview, the uh, end of September uh, about some results coming out um, for um, uh, or a new stage being announced for uh, a pilot. Uh, that's happening. A very high-profile pilot that's going on in um, in Florida, uh, on the on the uh, in in Tampa, part of the yeah. um, part of the USDOT's connected vehicle pilot program, which had four sites. And uh, Steve Novosad, who's the, who's the interviewee, is very closely connected with with that, um, and and has a lot of interesting stuff to say about that, and also about uh, some of his work with OmniAir um, which is an organisation that's, that's um, trying to unify ITS, create standards across the inter- industry, unified standards. Uh, um, ITS has been around for a while, so perhaps that's, that's uh, uh, not, not quite so tricky, as connected vehicles, which is one of their main focuses at the moment. You know, you've got all these different connected vehicle players. Um, you know, all all wanting a piece of the pie, and and if they're all operating with different standards, then it doesn't create this sort of holistic ecosystem that we're that we're looking for. Um, which actually reminds me of some news from last week. Uh, there was there was a really good market report from uh, Cap Gemini. Oh yeah, I read that. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, about. Um, you know, how OEMs are running out of time to, to actually get on the connected vehicle bandwagon. Uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we can see that, can't we? You know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, s- smartphones and apps are almost like, are a- more useful than any of the tech in your car, generally speaking, would you, would you say?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the, um, the, the survey found that about half, maybe less than half of global customers do not yet have any connected services in their cars. And only half of those that do are frequent users, which means that obviously the OEMs, the automotive manufacturers, have yet to truly penetrate the connected market, connected service market, effectively.
1: Absolutely, and I think you know, often uh, it even can be the case that you know these these um, uh, fun- this functionality is there, but it's but it's not um, really you know, promoted or, you know, they need to make drivers aware that it's built into their car. You know, it's all very well selling the car, you know, um, with all this stuff in, but if you don't really, if it's not obvious how to use it or where it is or how the driver accesses it, whereas everyone's used to sort of looking at things on their phone. So um, I think that's, that's perhaps part of the part of the challenge as well for OEMs is to, you know, make it more visible. I mean, I actually was driving past a school zone, um, not Not so long ago in Worthing down here on the sunny south coast, and as I was driving past uh, my car appeared to i 'm not sure if it was just my imagination but it certainly appeared to turn on automatically its twenty mile per hour speed limiter and i 'm pretty sure unless I was imagining it that that was a connected vehicle functionality there was there was some sort of you know transmitter on the post that was that was telling my car that it was a 20-mile-an-hour zone because it was, uh, it was the, uh, the school zone. But it wasn't clear on the dashboard that that was what had happened. So, yeah. you know, it, it, maybe, it was, maybe it was my imagination. But I think it's a, good, it's a good example that, you know, these sort of things can kick in and people can be unaware of them and they're much, it's much easier for people to just grab their phone and go, oh, okay, I'll download this cool app. So OEMs have a, have a bit of a mountain to climb into sort of changing people's perception and promoting what they're doing. But they are nevertheless best placed for some of these sort of high-end, very low latency connected vehicle functionality such as you know, collision avoidance. You know, If you're going to be, uh, use connected vehicle technology for collision avoidance, you want it to be the lowest latency possible, which means that you need built-in dsrc probably probably still dsrc for that functionality and um um uh, so so it needs so it does still need to go into the car and i'm sure the oems want to want a slice of that slice of that pipe should we listen to your interview with steve i think we should yes thanks very much tom thanks thanks all great to talk to you
0: now it's time for the main event so sit back relax and settle into tom's interview with steve novasad Chair of Standards Consortium OmniAir and Connected Vehicle Specialist.
1: Um, so, Steve Novosad, um thank you very much for joining us on the TTI podcast. Um, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to talk a little bit today about connected vehicles and standards.
2: That would be awesome. I look forward to it.
1: Excellent. Well, well, we'll we'll kick straight off then. I mean, you you're involved. I mean, we met uh, at the beginning of the year in Florida, didn't we? And that you based in Florida. That's that's where you're based out of with HNTB, yeah. My
2: actually my office, I work out of the Tampa office, but I actually live in San Antonio. They they allow me to work remotely. Even in, in, now, it's not a big deal. But <laughs> but yeah, I work remotely out of San Antonio, but I travel quite a bit to to Tampa uh, for the project.
1: That's right. You said you're on the road at the moment. Yes, sir. You know, we, just, we spoke a bit about, and I think we had a video on the website where we were talking a bit about connected, connected vehicles and, uh, some, some of the challenges around that. Um, but, but what is it particularly about, why do we need standards for connected vehicles? And, 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 and there's this organizational consortium on the, that's involved with those. Can you tell me a bit about why
2: that's necessary. Yeah, so you know, when you start thinking about ubiquitous um, distribution of, of connected vehicle devices, be them in cars or infrastructure or whatever, it, you know, the bottom line is if um, if, if you drive from, we, we can use a gross example, uh, you know, you go from state to state, we have 50 states in the U.S., and if every state had their own method of doing things, then you would basically have to if you were driving cross country, you would have to, I, I, I akin it to like going to the app store and downloading a new set of apps because your vehicle doesn't talk the same way as it did before. So having standards in place is, is critical to being able to not only talk, you know, to being able to talk as you drive across the country, but with even within, you start breaking that down to cities and counties and local agencies, <clears throat> the need for standards is just critical. And I think you can mirror that after the the traffic signal controllers and and all other, uh, you know, ITS and traffic devices without standards, you know, you couldn't get from one place to the other um, without, you know, understanding different laws, but having a a unique standard or the same standard, I guess, across the world, um, then everybody can can move forward. Think about it um, as, you know, we have international signs, right, as you're driving, so, as if you're driving in Europe or, or, or England or the US or Asia and you see a sign, you recognize it because it's a, it's a, it's a standard across the world. So um, it's just critically important, especially if the driver's not in control, so to speak.
1: Excellent. And I understand, I understand that, that concept, uh, putting that into, the, into a real world situation um, as I mentioned, we met down at the Tampa Hillsborough Expressway, didn't we? Uh, um, which is one of the USDOT's connected vehicle pilots going on down there, isn't it? With the reversible lanes. Have there, have there been any standards issues uh, so far with the rollout of that that technology and that pilot?
2: Actually, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because there was one. Um, not in, in terms of the you know, the standards for like the basic safety message and all that are pretty are well established. but Um, We did have a situation where uh, we were looking at using a a vehicle, a a V2I app, vehicle to infrastructure app, where we were going to be monitoring pedestrians as they cross the crosswalk. And there was, and when you build, in order to do an intersection, you have to build what they call a map message, which is basically a, a, a map of the intersection. It defines the lanes, where they go, so you have your straight through lanes, your left turn lane, your right turn lane, and those kind of things, so you define that for the whole intersection, but you also define the pedestrian crosswalks and the approaches to them. Well, there's no standard, or there was no standard in the in uh, the U.S. for a pedestrian uh, approach and crosswalk, and so we in, in, in Tampa took a, a standard out of Europe that was actually in place and, and applied it. However, New York City um, did a a different approach to a U.S. standard that was – it wasn't a standard yet. It was being – it was in the process of being reviewed and approved and going through balloting. And uh, they took that approach, and we actually ended up um, having to have a big meeting over it because USDOT wanted everybody to use the same stuff, and and we ended up having to switch to the New York uh, approach. And uh, so you know, we 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 took something that was a standard in Europe, that and then we had to change it, um, which was you know we thought was unfortunate, um, because now you know you, I don't know that it's even a standard yet uh, here in the U.S. So um, it was just a you know that that was a good good example of a need for standards that you know people everybody agreed to. That's a that's a great
1: example and. It, it, is uh, so that involved with with uh, pedestrians using smartphones to interact with the with the infrastructure? That
2: was the that was the goal. Um, we had a we had an app that the that would go on the smartphone. That as you approached um, the uh, intersection, you would uh, it was it was really initially designed for disabled people or, or people with uh, sight impaired, and uh, so they could t- ironically they would have to tap the phone. Um, to To get it to start, but once you tap the the phone, it would um, communicate with the RSU to uh, let let them know that they wanted to uh, cross the intersection, and they would if you, they would have to hold the phone out in front of them so that the the uh, phone would know what direction they wanted to go and communicate that to the RSU, and then the RSU would do an automatic uh, PUD call <coughs> for that crosswalk.
1: I I see. And, and and so yeah it's a it's a great example isn't it so but it's not it's not a standard yet although now we've got you've got the same as new york city but but perhaps is this where um you know the omni air consortium can come in and try to try to unify you know and, and create standards uh nationally and and how does that work i mean <coughs> you, you're, you're with action to aren't you you're part of it and Siemens, who are sponsoring this podcast, they're part of it as well. And there's a whole host of other um, players in the, in the traffic industry who are part of this consortium. How does it work exactly?
2: So, uh, that's a great question. So, I'm actually chairman of the board currently for OmniAir. So, uh, I, have, uh, I oversee the entire organization. Uh, our executive director is Jason Conley, who really runs the day-to-day business and does a great job. <clears throat> and what OmniAir's real mission is, is to do certification. So we take standards, so for example, the J2735 and 45 and, and the um, IEEE 1609.2 standards, um, and we, can, we look at those and we create test specifications out of that. And uh, we use those test specifications that we create and, and create test procedures and tests. And then uh, we go out and certify laboratories to be an accredited on-the-air laboratory. And then uh, for people who want to get their devices certified, um, they join OmniAir, and, uh, and then they can pick from one of the labs uh, to go and get their device certified. So what happens is that the device is run against our, against our approved tests, and uh, once they pass all the tests, then it's considered certified, and we provide a stamp of approval, essentially, that this device is OmniAir certified and known to be interoperable. Um, that's the real goal of OmniAir is to make sure that all devices, from a you know communication perspective, uh, are talking the same language essentially.
1: So that gives somebody uh, a procurement manager, perhaps at a DOT, uh, confidence that they that it's going to have full compatibility if they're buying this kind of hardware. Is that that's the sort of aim?
2: Exactly. We one of the things we we try to do is promote the fact that when, they, when DOTs or agencies are putting out procurement of connected vehicle devices, that they specify they are OmniAir certified.
1: They need to look for this the OmniAir Omnia, uh, certification, um, but is there still a problem? I mean, it seems like OmniAir is a big, a big consortium, loads of companies involved, as I say. But is, is there still uh, a, a problem with, with people not getting certification? You've got these sort of devices out there that, that aren't compatible. Is that, is that still a problem?
2: So, we, so yeah, there are, there are many people who are not currently Omni-air certified. Uh, that's not to say they can't communicate with, with other devices. But, you know, there's, there's no guarantee to anybody who purchased those that they're meeting the SAE standards and the IEEE standards. You know, if you buy one that's not, or you purchase one, that's not, um, certified, then you're going on the vendor's word that they're they're following all the standards. Um, so there's risk to the, to the DOTs or the agencies that, that are procuring those in my mind.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Are there any other, other standards out there? I mean, they're rival standards or, or, or is Omni the, the main?
2: So, um, OmniAir in the U.S. is the is the certifying body for connected vehicle. Um, We we have a presence, actually a fairly strong presence in Asia, uh, South Korea. Uh, We actually have an accredited lab in South Korea, uh, and there, and 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 those folks are incredibly interested in wanting to participate with uh, what we're doing. Uh, We also have a you know we're we're making a presence in China and Japan. Uh, So that side of the world is. Actually, moving forward, we actually hold two membership calls, to be honest. We have one in the U.S. uh, at like 10 o'clock Eastern time, and then we have one um, for Asia every month at about 9 o'clock Eastern time, p.m., um, so that we can, uh, that's how many members we have over there. Uh, We also have members uh, in Europe. Uh, We have uh, a couple from Spain that are involved, and uh, uh, DECRA is one of our accredited test labs over there. And uh, so we're, we're pushing out to be more of an international organization, um, believing that you know, if you buy a car in, in uh, Germany and you have it brought over to the US, it should work and vice versa. Uh, so um, you know, we're working toward that and uh, all the companies and the standard companies are, are working with us to, to move, it, move in that direction.
1: it seems like a, a very, very sensible sensible way to be moving. Is there a necessity for there to be some sort of, eventually, some kind of legal um, backing to this that people have to have this standard? Or do you think that's not necessary that we need to just let the market uh, dictate what happens?
2: I don't think it's gonna become a mandate to, to have interoperable messages by um, by the USDOT or by states or anything. Um, I think it's really more, I think it's just, you know, I don't want to belittle this because it's very, very critical and important, but it's, it's really just another way of, um, you know, when you're in a vehicle, when you look at SAE and all the standards they create, they're not bound to most any laws or anything. They're just standards because everybody agrees that they have to be done by everyone. And, uh, and it's critically important. So, I, I think the the private sector and the market. I mean, if you look at our membership, you know, you've alluded to it. You know, we're we're a membership of you know nearly a hundred different companies um, participating, and so um, you know that that I think tells a lot.
1: So yeah, the market will dictate the good good common sense that we want we want these systems to be safe and interoperability <laughs> is, is 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 part of that, of course. Um, and, and so where are we going with this in the future? It's great, you're, you're spreading out around the world. Are there, are there any particular new areas of, of, of hardware, of certification that are sort of uh, a, a cut, cutting edge at the moment?
2: Yeah, it's interesting you, you asked that question. As, as you know, um, DSRC has been the, the communication standard for since 1999 uh, when the FCC certified the, the 5.9 gigahertz band here in the US to be the, the safety band. Um, and in recent years, there's been a growth uh, by cellular V to X, and uh, we, we recognize that. And uh, we're, we're actually having a, uh, we call it the plug fest. Um, it's going to be a virtual one this time, but where we allow test providers, test stations and stuff to come together with people with device make manufacturers to, to test their devices against these test systems to see how well they're doing. And um, we're going to have one at the end of, of this month. Now, um, in it's going to be based in Austin, but like I said, it's going to be virtual. Um, but we're going to have people like DECRA in Spain is going to be participating, um, and other labs across the across the U.S. are participating. And we're going to be doing testing of those devices. And we're focusing on CD to X in this plug fest, recognizing that the FCC is likely to uh, you know break up the band. and uh, uh, give a channel to DSRC and and a channel to cb to x so um, we we have uh, just completed our first round of initial uh, test specifications for cv to x and you know we hope to launch the certification for it of uh, devices um, you know later this year or early next year uh, to start meeting the, ma- the demand
1: yeah absolutely c b two x the the new kid on the block and uh, uh, but you know and this is a conversation that has been going on in the magazine and 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 through this podcast as well Of uh, uh you know it's one of those hot issues that keeps coming up about the uh the, the spectrum sharing and the, the, the 5.9 gigahertz band um, uh, um but you know that and, and cb2x and dsr3 perhaps both trying to achieve the same aim so they're kind of almost like friends now but we're hoping not too much unlicensed stuff coming into the, into the spectrum. Uh, uh, Any any sense from you as to, 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 to where the sort of uh, uh, the, the the pendulum is going to swing on that one at the moment.
2: Well, I I will tell you that, you know, and this is just my personal observation, no, no, um, no company affiliation or anything, but um, you know, everybody's preparing for, you know, the SRC on channel 180 and cb to X and what I will call channel 183. Um, and then 45 megahertz of unlicensed Wi-Fi. We, we still hold out hope. That's not going to happen, but um, you know, the FCC seems bent on doing that. And, um, and so we are, we are, you know, every client I work with DOT or local agency I work with is preparing for that. Um, I know several of the deployments that are switching to, channel 180 only for DSRC, and and the uh, FCC is actually granting licenses for channel 180 now for DSRC. Uh, I can give the a perfect, I don't, I'm not directly involved in it, but the uh, smart city, Columbus smart city project is has converted all of their communications to channel 180, um, and they're implementing it now. So there's a movement uh, in process, but our biggest concern about the whole movement is, you know, what are you going to do? It, you know, can one channel support thousands and thousands of cars or vehicles or devices, and that are broadcasting messages ten times a second? <clears throat> and can the you know can we process that and and perform all these applications on one channel? Uh, and whether it be DX or DSRC, I mean, both 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 technologies are very very concerned about that, and that's why they're actually teamed up fighting this, uh, fighting the FCC on, on this decision because they both recognize that, uh, you know, life-saving applications may be at, at, at stake. Um, if, if we can't figure out how to make this work, um, correctly.
1: Absolutely. I, w- I was talking to, uh, Bat about it last week. And I mean, he was calling for more testing of, of, of the possibility of sharing some of this band and um, um and I, I think he was talking mainly about you know the edges of the band and the the bleeding between different different areas but you know if there is a sort of 45 uh, 45 gigahertz did you say it was for for, for unlicensed wi-fi potentially
2: megahertz yeah it's megahertz,
1: megahertz. um the uh, uh would it be possible to you know in quiet rural areas or whatever to be able to use that for connected vehicles or is that sort of uh, you know excuse my ignorance here i, I know, <laughs> i'm just wondering if you know can there be genuine sharing across like you know could you use it for both or is that just not fully tested well so
2: so there have been some and i'll call them tongue-in-cheek conversations about that since it's unlicensed there's no reason you couldn't broadcast messages over dsrc or cv to x in that in that bandwidth the problem becomes is that uh, i i know a lot more about dsrc than i do cv to x but dsrc is a technology where you listen and then when there's an opening you broadcast and so the unlicensed wi-fi doesn't listen they just continually broadcast so my my feeling is you you could try that but you may never get a message out. And I can actually, in Tampa, we had a perfect example of that where um, we had a, a ham-wham, uh, operator who operator who is a secondary valid user on the 5.9 gigahertz band, broadcasting um, some information over uh, on um, one of our channels, or actually all of our channels. And uh, we were trying to test, and because he just was broadcasting and never stopped broadcasting, we couldn't get a message out and all our stuff stopped working. So we've had a real life experience in Tampa of trying to interact with unlicensed well, it's not unlicensed Wi-Fi, but interact with another technology that that acts like unlicensed Wi-Fi, maybe the best way to put it. And you know, the odds of it working are, are very
1: low in my opinion. That's really interesting, really interesting example. <laughs> a, great, a great reason why we hope that there is gonna be a little bit more bandwidth than we fear for uh for or or spectrum for the uh for the connected vehicle um uh applications um and and uh just to uh um sort of round things up but where where are we in tampa is obviously one of the one of the projects what's what's the uh what's the latest from there where are we with the uh the, the connected vehicle pilot
2: uh, so I can speak for, uh, Tampa Thea project because I work on that. We are actually, um, completing the phase three of the project at the end of this month. So, uh, our performance measurement guys are, are actually turning in their data, uh, from all our use cases. I've seen two or three of them go in already. And, uh, so at the end of September in, in theory, the, the pilot will be, this pilot will be complete. Um, so uh, we're hoping, and I, and I can't say anything officially yet, but we're hoping that um, we're going to get a phase four for the pilot. Um, but I can't really comment on that other than to say we're working with USDOT right now to, to uh, stretch the pilot out and do some more new and innovative things. Um, and once that's you know if that comes to pass and officially announced, I'd be happy to, to share that because I think it'd be very, very exciting for people to hear.
1: Absolutely, that sounds that sounds very exciting. So you said the results expected end of September. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, we let's m- definitely make a note to talk again then, and uh, perhaps we can do a uh, a report on that in uh, in TTI magazine, and um, and we'll do. And then the potential for phase four. I mean, phase four wouldn't actually be that would be a, an extension of the pilot. It wouldn't be real world deployment just yet, but it would be adding new things to the pilot, would it?
2: I'll just say yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, Steve. Thank you so much for uh, for making a bit of time to talk to us, and you know, fascinating conversation. And uh, and as I say, we'll uh, we'll continue it in, in, into the months ahead. I'm sure.
2: It sounds great, Tom. I, I appreciate you having me on and opportunity to to spread the word and the message.
0: I hope you enjoyed Tom's interview with Steve Novosad. Thanks go out to our sponsors for this podcast, Siemens Mobility. Join me again soon for another episode of the TTI podcast. In the meantime, stay safe and stay in touch with us on Twitter at TrafficTechMag, online at TrafficTechnologyToday.com, and of course, via this podcast. That's it from me. Until next time. TTI podcast is a Mark Allen Group production. Please like and subscribe. If you are interested in appearing on the podcast, reach us via our website, traffictechnologytoday.com, or email traffic at markallengroup.com.